there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into sports and news and the entertainment industry as a talent agent, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest founded IF Management 24 years ago, and it's an industry leader representing over 250 radio and television personalities. Today, he's the president of the Montag Group, a sports and entertainment talent and marketing consultancy which merged with IF Management about four years ago. But before I introduce you to Steve Herz, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays with unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org. And the sign-up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Steve Herz, president of the Montag Group, also known as TMG, which is a sports and media talent and marketing agency. He is also a career advisor to CEOs, lawyers, entrepreneurs, and young professionals. Prior to joining TMG, Steve was the president and founding partner of IF Management, an industry leader whose broadcasting division became one of the largest in the space and actually today represents over 250 television and radio personalities. The agency also represents some of the biggest names in sports and news media, including NBC Sports' Mike Tirico, ESPN's Scott Van Pelt, and Dan Schulman, and CNN's chief international correspondent, Clarissa Ward. He is also author of the new book, Don't Take Yes for an Answer, using authority, warmth, and energy to get exceptional results. It was only published in June 2020, so you can buy it and read it, hopefully before the start of the new school year. Steve, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I'm ready to go. I want to tell you, I'm probably the first guest you've ever had on this show who has never, ever tried coffee. So, I uh, wish, I wish. Oh, actually, wait a minute. I was going to say, I wish I could say that that were not the case. But you're saying you've never tried coffee. Never had coffee. I have a uh, psychological aversion to drinking coffee that started when I was about 12 years old. (laughs) What is it? My parents would have me throw away the garbage, you know, maybe I was 10 even earlier. And always in the garbage were these coffee grinds. They were, you know, obviously used up. And I just had this negative association with coffee as a little kid. And then when everybody started drinking coffee in college, I was like, no, none for me. Thank you. And I just, I've never, ever tried it. Okay. Well, you know what? It's what works for you. I happen to love the taste of coffee and the grinds. They probably were drinking like Folgers back then. Yes. Okay. So that isn't like the, you know, there are some unbelievable coffees today. I'm going to use today as an excuse to try to get through that hoop and maybe try some coffee in the next couple of days here. 
Really? Well, make yeah. sure it's a specialty coffee. All right. Don't do any anything where you have to use a can opener no, no, no. <laughs> to get into it, Steve. Let me know how it goes and I tell will. your family to clear out of the house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So let's get into our 10 espresso shots. And we're going to frame this around media, talent agents, both in the sports and news arenas. How does that sound? Sounds great. Okay. So Steve, what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into this industry? So in the sports and media industry writ large, there are quite a few jobs that are available. I would say that data analytic jobs for teams and leagues and companies are really in demand. I think that people with a good finance background can go and work in the CFO track for any of these networks that are dealing with what they're dealing with, with the pandemic, and et cetera. And for the people that aren't in the math, science, finance track, I think those people are going to have a bit of a harder time. But the jobs that are available are someone who can do video editing, someone who knows how to shoot video, someone who can do administrative work. Because ultimately, look, you know, if you're going to go into leadership, like even Jeff Zucker, who runs CNN, you know, he started off out of Harvard as a researcher for Bob Costas in the Olympics. So you got to be willing to start out if you're going to be on the talent side of it, on that administrative research, video editing area. Those are the kinds of jobs that'll be available to you. But if you're good, you'll move up quickly. And what about as a talent agent? I think it's somewhat similar. Again, with our company, typical of sports media, you have to be able to put together a resume reel for the client. So you got to have video editing skills that you can learn. Obviously, administrative You want to be able to assist somebody knowing the business, someone who can work the phones, who can talk to people that are older than them, who can give that person a sense of confidence, someone who can put together PowerPoint presentations, all kinds of different presentation documents that are available, use of Excel, keeping track of clients and other information. These are the kinds of skills that that are available and that we look for. Okay. And in terms of the titles, what should, not just at the Montauk Group, but across the kind of talent agency world, what are the entry-level titles they should be keeping an eye open for? Well, we're a relatively smaller agency. We call ourselves a mid-sized company, you know, about 25 people. So in our agency, it'd be like a junior agent. Yeah, that would be the first step or a coordinator maybe. But in the bigger talent agencies, you know, the CAAs and the ICMs, the WMEs of the world, they have a very robust mailroom program for people. So that's how a lot of even like a Barry Diller started off in a mailroom somewhere 50 years ago at the William Morris Agency before they were WME. And that's where you want to get your start if you can. And you kind of go from, first of all, you literally deliver the mail in the beginning, and then you get to know some of the agents. And then from there, you get on a desk, and then you become an assistant. So that's kind of the next step is to be the assistant to someone on a desk. And then you move up from there to junior agent, and then ultimately to becoming an agent. Fantastic. Do you know, is there a job board where these types of jobs might be listed or a particular newsletter or something that our listeners might subscribe to if they were looking for these kinds of positions? Well, you know, it's, it's a good question. There really aren't in our field. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of the real negative, I think, aspects to doing what we do. It's a very disparate industry. There's not a lot of big banks and they come out together and they recruit at different universities and graduate schools. It's not like that in the talent business because it's kind of considered as, you know, like a sexy field to be getting into. So I think that the industry in general doesn't do a great job of recruiting people. They expect people to come after them. 
I would say that the bigger companies like NBC, for example, Comcast, Universal, Disney, which owns ESPN and ABC News, Warner Media, which owns you know, CNN, th- those companies will have job listings, but not the smaller companies like ours. I mean, we'll put out a post in, on our website or in different universities like Syracuse. We know Newhouse is a school that is known for this type, sort of thing. But no, Andrea, there's, there's not like a one particular clearinghouse people can look at. Okay, fair enough. Steve, what is a useful hard and soft skill that you look for at the Montag Group, at IF Management, in the young people that you hire to become talent agents? The most, I think, important hard skill, and this is not a hard skill business, by the way. It's a very limited in terms of hard skills, depending on how you define a hard skill. I think it would be those video editing skills would be a very specific skill that is needed. And then also, I think, like I said, the computer skills, the ability to put together an effective PowerPoint presentation or other kind of presentation document to make an Excel spreadsheet, those kinds of hard skills are really what's needed. But beyond that, I think the rest of it is soft skills. It's the ability to talk to people, to communicate, to you know, I don't know if you want to call this a hard skill, but have like a deep, deep knowledge of the industry to know who the White House correspondent is at every network, know who's coming up, know who the young people are, have knowledge of who the good print reporters are, who might be the next person in the game that you might want to recruit or want to hire. You want to be thinking the way an executive who's hiring talent thinks. And so if you're a young person, you want to have that knowledge of the industry, that deep knowledge. And that I think all goes into the category, what you might call soft skills. Okay, excellent. What about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into the talent industry? In other words, if they haven't studied, and I'm not even sure what I would say here, journalism or the media or English literature, whatever it is, would it be a deal breaker? No, not at all. Look, our company, we have a history. I think a lot of agencies are like this, especially with our niche of sports and news media. We definitely look at places like Syracuse, Northwestern, Michigan now has a good sports program, but it's not a deal breaker at all. I mean, we've had people that have come from Tulane with no background in the business, did very well. Cornell, we've had some really successful people from Cornell, again, no background in the business. Somebody came from Amherst College, zero background. If you're smart, you're hungry, if you have a very, very deep desire to learn the industry and learn the business and study it, and you can demonstrate that to your bosses or the people you're interviewing with, you'll get a chance. Okay, fair enough. What about a graduate school degree, Steve? And this is less so, I suppose, for somebody who's coming in at the entry level into a talent agency like yours, more so for somebody maybe who wants to run a talent agency. I know you got your law degree at Vanderbilt. Are there certain grad school degrees that you think would give a young person a leg up? I struggle with that question. I don't think so. A lot of people ask it. I think that if you get into Harvard Law School and you want to be the president of a network, maybe it helps. But I don't really think so. And if you look at who are the people running these businesses today, they don't necessarily have MBAs or law degrees. So I think it's just, it's a very, very much case by case basis. And I think if you have the ability to get into a great graduate school in the first place, you probably don't need to go there in order to get to where you want to get to in this particular field. Now, if you wanted to go be a partner in a law firm, or you wanted to become a doctor or a scientist, which required a PhD or a master's, then yes, I agree. It's an important thing to have. But in this particular field, I don't think it's necessary. I think if you're really smart and hungry and work hard and communicate well, 
then you can do just as well without the degree. Awesome. And that's 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 coming from someone who has one. You know, I know. <laughs> I know. I think maybe one thing that it does is it gives you options later in life. If you decide the talent agency world isn't for you, you could always go back to graduate school after that. But if you already had your degree, maybe then you would decide perhaps to use it or who knows. But I think that's great to know that you don't think that it makes a marked difference. No, I don't. Steve, what kind of life experiences, so those experiences that we have outside the classroom, do you think are most useful for someone starting out in the talent industry? I think somebody who has work experience that required them to show resiliency, to show tenacity, to show a level of what I would call enterprising ability. Look, a lot of people are very good at becoming functionaries. They'll do the job that is asked of them. And maybe they'll get a job and maybe they'll keep a job being a functionary. But that's not to me the type of person that's going to succeed to the level that I think a lot of your listeners are wanting to achieve in this world. And I think the difference between the functionary and the leader is the person who shows that level of ingenuity, enterprise, and creativity. And a lot of people learn those things in previous jobs. I'll give you an example in my own particular life, which is going to sound kind of funny to you, but I would say the best job I ever had that got me to where I am right now was two summers being a pool cleaner in Long Island in New York and dealing with some extremely difficult people who thought that they were the king of the world or the queen of the world and wanted their pool clean now. And if there was one leaf left over in the pool, you were going to hear about it. And it really taught you at 17, 18 years old how to deal with 50-year-old people that were very demanding and understand how to talk to them and how to neutralize sometimes their frustration, even though you might be, not be able to solve their problem. And that, to me, is what it takes to become successful, that ability to handle difficult situations. I think that is an awesome example. And if only the problems were so small as to say, take out an extra leaf, right? <laughs> well, I'll just say real quick, real quick, this is like a legendary story in my life. Yeah. I had a... One of my best friends to this day is a urologist and he's a professor at Northwell Hospital, Dr. Michael Levine. He's actually in my book. And he and I were cleaning a pool one day on a Friday and the lady said, I need you to make my pool blue. And her pool was green, filled with algae. It was disgusting. And we said, Mrs. Smith, we can't clean your pool. It's impossible. If you're having a party, we can't make your pool blue. You won't have anybody be able to go in there. And she started yelling at us make me blue, make me blue. No matter what we said, she kept saying, make me blue. And so we just poured like 20 <laughs> gallons of shock into her pool. And we took this green, disgusting pool and we turned it blue. But I hope to this day, no one went in there because they probably still would have toxic shock syndrome or something awful. But we solved the problem. Oh my God. Wait, what did you pour in? It's called shock. It's something that lowers the pH level in a pool and it just turns green to blue because it was filled with algae. Oh, how disgusting. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to go in the pool under any circumstances, blue or green. Oh my God, what a great story. It's a so life Steve, lesson. It's a life lesson. It is. And I think that the reason I think that's such a fantastic example, dealing with difficult people, especially at a young age, interacting with adults, people who are quite a bit older than you are, because whether you're serving ice cream at a ice cream store, we've got a Jenny's not far from where we live, or whether you're working in retail, or whether you're working at Starbucks, or whether you have a dog walking business, 
or lawn service business, these are all valuable experiences. Yes. I mean, and I, I actually think where we live, New York, I don't think as many kids, really hardly as many of them have jobs at the ages that we did. You know, I started out, I lived on Long Island. We had a newspaper route. I had a paper route at 13 to 15 for New York Newsday. And it was a great experience. You know, you made like 40 cent tip for the week and you worked really hard so that client or customer would like you and stay with Newsday and keep giving you that 40 cents. It embedded a lesson in you in, in so many different respects that I think that the people that don't get that experience, including unfortunately my own kids, they don't get that experience in their teens, they're actually going to be behind the kids that do get it. Yes, yes, which is why it's great to get at least a part-time job so that you can get that real-life experience. Steve, you've been in this industry for quite a while. What is the best part for you of being a talent agent? I'd say it's twofold. For me, it's helping people reach their potential. And that's really rewarding. When you start off with a client who is you know, working in, let's say, Tacoma, Washington, making $20,000 or what have you, and you see potential in them, and you guide them, and you give them feedback or whatever, and you help them make a relationship with a potential executive that ends up hiring them, and then you see them go through that process, and they move on, and they keep going up and up and up. You know, We've had clients that we've represented for 20, 25 years. And so it's both the relationship that you develop with that person and also seeing them reach their potential and playing a part in that. And that also goes for the people that report to me in my agency. Watching them grow and some of my former employees grow, that's a very rewarding thing for me personally. Love it. So it doesn't matter what you do. I am convinced. It doesn't matter what line of work you're in or how successful you are and therefore what your title is. There are always aspects of your job that suck. So what is the part of your current job, Steve, as the president of TMG that sucks the most? Wow. No one's ever asked that question before. I'd say it's a couple different things. Right now, as we're doing this in August of 2020, what sucks really is seeing people lose their jobs. And They have families that are dependent on them. I have one client who lost his job a few weeks ago, and he has three children, one of whom is in college, another one is about to go to college. He's a great guy, and he just was on the wrong end of his entire division of his company shut down. 300 people lost their jobs. And you see that, and it's just devastating. And the guy is almost 50 years old, and it's hard to retrain someone who's on air for new skills. And I think he'll be okay in the long run because he's been prudent about his money and he also has a lot of great relationships. But that's a real, you feel that gut punch, even though it's not you, you feel like as if it is you. And then the second part about the job that I think isn't great is seeing people who allow this business to eat them up. You know, when you're doing something, which we're doing, where it's very much out there for public consumption. You know, most of my life, I've been behind the scenes. And I know you went from being in front of the camera to now you're kind of, I know you do a podcast, but you're relatively behind the scenes still. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a whole different world. When you put yourself out there for everybody to see you and to comment on you, there's a psychological part of that that you would know more than me, by the way, because you did it. It's got to be challenging. And I see a lot of people who don't deal well with it. They need a lot of that external validation and gratification. And when they don't get it, it, it can be devastating for them. And you can't really help them. Because that's an internal issue that they have. And no matter how good of an agent you are, you're not a psychotherapist. You can try, but it's very hard to help them when they get into that space. 
No, I think that's a great point. The only reason I'm chuckling is that I think you need to have a list of psychotherapists that you can suggest your clients meet with. And true story, it wasn't until 2007 after CNN didn't renew my contract that I was able to start seeing a therapist regularly and started actually in January of 2008. They let me go in August of 2007. In January, I started therapy. Oh my God, it is amazing. It is such a valuable experience to go through. I'm still, I see a different therapist now, but meet with her once a week over Zoom. And the more that you get to know yourself and you start peeling back layers and understanding patterns and exactly to your point, Steve, the need for external validation, not having enough of a grounded center, all of those things. I couldn't recommend it enough. And it is really hard being in front of the camera. And sometimes the way I used to do, you know, I could have 10 or 12 live shots in a day and you could have 11 of them being great. And one, you stumble or you say something that's incorrect and you're like beating, at least I was beating yourself up over that one. So three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Steve? I I think it's the four simplest but best words. It was work smarter, not harder. And I think a lot of people just try to be the first guy in the office, the last guy to leave. And I get it, FaceTime, et cetera. But I think I'm somebody who likes to evaluate his life more qualitatively than quantitatively. So, I mean, do things that are valuable to others. Make sure you're bringing value to the table and don't just work to work. You know, we're not, at least we're not in the ditch digging business here. We're in the thought business. So that was really helpful to me. Awesome advice. What about movies, Steve? Movies or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows or books? Do you think accurately depict your profession? You know, I I don't really think any do a great job of it. But if I had to pick one, I would say Run, Sammy, Run, Bud Schulberg, you know, the classic is a great book about, you know, the whole agent business. But yeah, I don't know. Jerry Maguire certainly kind of hits certain things about the intensity of the relationship between the client and agent. I think that does a really good job of it, although obviously it dramatizes it. But I, I don't think anybody's come up with it yet. To me, nobody has hit the holy grail. On to me, at least, what I do and and accurately describing it. You know, certainly Entourage didn't, at least not where I sit. Yeah. So you never dropped to your knees and begged a client (laughs) to come on board with you the way that uh, Tom Cruise did? No, I was lucky never to be in that situation. (laughs) Okay, final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? I think that our job the good agents, and I'd even say this about a lot of competitors of mine, they're 24-7 on the job. And it sounds like it's a horrible thing, but I think if you love this business and you eat, sleep, and drink it, then it doesn't ever feel like a job. So if you're watching the Democratic primary and one of your clients is a moderator, you're really interested in watching it. You want to see how your client is doing in terms of the questions he or she is asking. If you're have a sports client who's covering the Stanley Cup finals, you want to watch that. And so you kind of have to be on, especially if you have a decent sized business like we do, but it doesn't feel like a job because it's something you like doing. So it's a weird thing to say, but you're always working, but you're never working. So if you can find a way to love this stuff so much and you're okay, of course it's not 24 seven, but you might be at dinner and you might get interrupted with a call or a text. You have to be okay with that. 
and your family has to be okay with that. And you kind of have to fit your life into it in a way. Of course, there are exceptions where you just shut it off. But my wife, she's been very understanding over 15 years. And I don't know, it just, it just works. It works for me and it works for us. And I think we're lucky. Excellent. Steve is the author of the new book, Don't Take Yes for an Answer Using Authority, Warmth, and Energy to Get Exceptional Results. Check it out and also check out show notes for this episode to see if Steve's main time for coffee interview in which we get into the book and we get into what he does at TMG and what it takes to be a really kick-ass agent. Steve, thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me in the T4C community, even if you don't drink coffee. This was really wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.